I am unashamed. What about you? So, Dad, uh, you and I support um, <clears throat> a really good friend of mine. He's a he's a Liberian and uh, from Liberia, Africa, and he was a he was a you know grew up not a Christian, not a believer. Civil war breaks out. They he gets pushed out of Liberia with a lot of, a lot of other people, so they become refugees, which happens all over the world, but especially in Africa. And uh, gets pushed into Ghana, and so there in a refugee camp, he is uh, someone converts him to Christ. He and his fan, he and his wife. So he's so you know he he's so excited. He's like, I want to spend my life doing what somebody did for me. You know, kind of like we've done, like you did, mm-hmm. Isaac. Yeah, yeah this Isaac. Yeah. And um, so he goes to Bible college there in Ghana, the Ghana Ghana Bible College. Winds up being a missionary for four different African countries, but he could never go back to Liberia because they had a civil war that went on for 16 years. I mean, which I've been there uh, twice and about to go again. And it's just, you know, it just shows you we talk a lot about the evil of mankind, but I mean, this country has nothing. Like their infrastructure is completely destroyed. So I was thinking, why would you be having a civil war over nothing? Like you literally have nothing to fight. It's, I'm the power over the trash heap, you know, is kind of the, the mindset. But anyway, he's always wanted to go back. So he finally was able to when the civil war ended. And so you and I, you and mom and, and Lisa and I and others, not just us, but we've kind of been primary. He started a school there where basically they train people how to preach, and then they also train them how to do agriculture. So the idea is you plant a church, you start a farm, and you're able to support yourself and support the church. So it's a great idea. And it's a good draw because, look, it's tough times in Africa. Oh, yeah. And if you you can you know teach someone the farming, you get the food, it, it, the food, you know, even Jesus himself, when he fed the 5,000, right. you, you you use those things as a draw. Well, and they're also training these, they've they got a whole other little thing that's cropped up in the school where they're training women how to sew so that they can have a business. Because what happened is when the country just gets ravaged, a lot of the women turned to prostitution. It was the only way they could feed themselves, and you know, some of them have children. So they get into that lifestyle, you know, so it's awful. So he's training them. Again, It's, it's you're right, it's kind of building infrastructure teaching about entrepreneurism yeah and have uh, and it's the, the same pro you know missy and i support uh one of these missions where they dig the water wells right, you know right. and i mean mate we take for granted fresh water fresh water <laughs> you're in a country where you can't find it that you're not gonna live long so so our good friend isaac he comes over about once a year and uh he does some fundraising and usually I bring him out here and, and dad feeds him some catfish or, you know, steak or something, you know. So anyway, we've known him a long time, good guy. So he's having some health problems. So he sends me a note and he's like he calls me Pastor Allen. He said, Pastor Allen, Pastor Allen, I'm so sick, you know, I've had he has these autoimmune issues and so he's you know, he's like, I'm so sick, I, I need to come to the United States and, and get help and I'm like when do you want to come? He said, as soon as possible. He was in the hospital in Liberia. And so I told Lisa. It's kind of a scary thought. I don't know. It may be a great hospital. Well, well, no, I wouldn't want to go there. Although the guy who was treating him was American trained, which is interesting. He's a Liberian, but he got trained in America. So he told him, he said, you need to get to the States and see a rheumatologist because they deal with this. He's got like uh, arthritis real bad, you know, the rheumatoid arthritis. So anyway, 
Um, I said, well, yeah. I mean, what? Do, we'll get you. So we got him a flight. So he left six hours later. He's on his way to here, which, you know, our area is not necessarily known for our medicine. You know, in Monroe, Compared to Africa? But compared to Africa, we're pretty good. You know, we got it going on. So anyway, he, he comes in. He gets in on Saturday night. Lisa picks him up because I already had something going on. She picks him up at the airport. He looks terrible. His eyes are bloodshot. But he has been traveling 24 hours, so we weren't sure if it was that. Now, obviously, he's sick. And so he's, he's staying at Mike Keller. It's a good friend of ours. And so we went by Sunday morning to check on him on our way to church. We are just going to check on him because we hadn't you know seen him since the night before. And he, when I walk in, he's like in tears. He's like, Pastor Allen, you know, I don't if I don't make it, you know, will you take care of my family? Will you make sure my ministry keeps going? You know, I mean, he's in, he's crying as he's telling me this. And I've never seen him like this. I mean, he's one of the most, the boldest, you know, guy you've ever met. And so, I, I mean, I, it took me aback. I thought, man, he, he's he's thinking I'm dying here. You know, this is bad. He feels terrible. So I just told Lisa, I said, look, let's just load him up. Let's go out to, we have a, um, it's in the charity hospital system. In Louisiana, they they privatized it. So Oshner's, which is a big hospital chain in New Orleans, they've taken over. So we load him up there. I know they'll take him. In other words, it wouldn't be this turn him away at the door. I know they'll treat him. Well, we go in, and I wasn't with him because I was parking the car. But apparently when they did the intake with whoever they talked to, I don't know how they communicated. Of course, Isaac, you know, he's got a strong accent. He's from Africa. But somehow they took us coming in there as a potential infectious disease threat. Which I wouldn't have known it, what that meant. Probably because Liberia is probably on a list somewhere. Well, Ebola was a big deal a few years ago. They're, they're better now. But I think I've which seen was somewhere deadline. there's like, if you're from certain countries and right. you come over here and you're sick, you're fixed to be quarantined. All right. So you're right. And, 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 and I should have thought about that. But, you know, what's happened is Isaac comes here a lot. So, like, we've treated him for other things here. So I know he doesn't have Ebola, or or at least I think I know he doesn't have anything infectious. So I'm not even thinking in those terms. But I found out quickly you need to think in those terms because if you tell somebody somebody just got here from Africa last night and we're at your ER. And he's sick. And he's sick. (laughs) So that triggered a protocol, which means lockdown. So they locked down the ER. Were you locked down too? I was locked down too because Lisa and I are in a 100-square-foot room with Isaac. There's a table and one chair. And so Lisa's in the chair, Isaac's on the table, I'm sitting on the floor. And we're in there about an hour, and but nobody's come in there. I keep thinking, well, I mean, and I can hear through the door, there's a lot of ruckus and a lot of things happening, which I now know what it was. So I got to go, you know, to the restroom. You know, we're in there an hour and a half at my age, you know, that's, we've reached our limit. So I open the door. There's two doors, one where the nurses are. And then another door where we came in, I open the door. There's a table blocking the door, big table. And there's a handwritten note on top. It said, do not enter or exit. So that means the, you can't go in. Right. Or out, which was yeah, a big, if you can't go that's in, lockdown. that's lockdown. But if you but, can't go in, why would they say don't come out? Well, because they didn't want us going out, and they didn't want anybody coming in. There wasn't a person standing there, so I guess they were just saying, don't go in here. But if you didn't go in, you couldn't come out. I was already in. That's what I'm saying. 
I'm saying this they, is getting weird. That was for my bit, I guess. I don't, so they anyway, don't want Al going anywhere, right? So so Freeze. I so I shut the door and I go punch. There's a call button and she's called a couple of times, but I can tell there's a panic going on. But nobody's told us what's now going been on. Thro- you've been cast out. It's so like I, that, I, hey, they used to do this in biblical times when you had leprosy. That's right. That's what I felt like. But look, I, as I've gotten older, I'm a little bit claustrophobic. So this hundred square feet is shrinking in on me, oh, yeah. and I got to pee, which is making it shrink in even more. You know, I, I'm in trouble here. So I punched the button, and she said, and finally somebody comes on there, and I said, I just tried to leave. There's a table blocking the door, so I'm assuming there's something going on. She said, Well, yeah, we're trying to work things out. You know, they were just kind of putting. I said, Well, look, can you like slide a mask underneath and just because I really have to go to the bathroom. I mean, I, I'm hurting here. So she said, hang on, let me, let me check. So, so five minutes later, the door cracks open. First time, but we've seen no activity. It cracks open just maybe six inches wide and a gloved hand comes in with a plastic urinal and drops. And then the door closes quickly behind it. And I heard her as she was walking away say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So I looked down, I picked up that plastic urinal bottle and I looked at Isaac you know, my good friend and Lisa, and I said, this is fixing to get personal. I'm what, just, you, what you call that, Al, is that, that when you saw the gloved hand of a man for himself. That's exactly right. And so I said, this is fixing to get some serious personal family time here. This is fixing to happen. And it did. And then, and then about 30 or 40 minutes later, they start asking all these questions, you know, what's our relationship with Isaac? We slipped our, our licenses under the door, you know, and I hear them outside. They're like in full panic. You know, they're they're locking us down. And then so how, I started getting worried. I thought we're not. I'm not getting out of here. Like because yeah. we got had a plane to catch in you know two and a half hours. And I'm thinking, well, forget about that. So I start texting like we're not making the next thing. We're not going to be there. I've I have found myself in a serious situation. Well, I didn't want to upset Isaac. He already felt bad. So I'm texting Lisa in the room. I'm texting her and saying. I'm going crazy here. I'm thinking about just running out of here. Like I was having thoughts of. Then you wind up in jail. That's right. And it was fixing to happen because I was like, I'm feeling like panicked. And so finally, after two and a half hours, a doctor and a nurse come in and they're hazmat. You know, they're fully covered. They're speaking through the deal and they're gloved up. And so, but I knew as soon as they what like was wrong ex- with the man. Well, here's the thing. So I knew as soon as they talked to him and examined him, they'd realize he didn't. So they're like, "Do you have a diarrhea?" And I was like, "No, I don't have any of that." And, and well, what's what is it? And so then he describes what he has, which is rheumatoid arthritis, and you know he's got these joint issues and all. They and he they said, well, "How long have you been struggling?" He said, two years." So finally, it was funny. So I'm listening to him ask the questions, and I'm watching him kind of relax. And finally, the doctor says. Well, you don't have an infectious disease. You've had this for a long time. You're just, and I was, you know, I wanted to just say, ah, you know, y'all missed some sort of protocol there. (laughs) It was bad. So that, so finally the nurse comes back in without a mask. I thought, okay, this is getting better. Then the big head Pumbaa comes in. He said, I'm the chief of medicine at the, because I mean, I guess they called in all the big guns. 
So he meets Isaac. He has gloves on. He takes his glove off and shakes Isaac's hand. And I was like, we're clear. Yeah. Then I knew in that moment. It was funny. Isaac, who's this great guy, Isaac said, oh, thank you. Thank you for taking this risk. You know, you can't have faith without risk. <laughs> That's what he tells the guy. And I, was I don't like, know if I I'm, said I that. know. I was like, Isaac, Isaac, man, we're free. Don't, don't, you don't. don't yeah. <laughs> so, Dad, one of the issues um, plaguing our uh, – current society and culture in America has been some pretty, I would say, terrifying assaults on free speech. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's funny because at one time liberals were supposedly the great defenders of free speech, but now that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. So conservatives and Christians, Jews, I mean, now it's like basically you, someone calls you a Nazi or a racist and then it's like shut him down. You know, because we've been the victims of it, you have, for quite some time. The the overarching scary part about all of it, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord to be saved. But listen, how then can they call on the one, Al, they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? Yep. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So when you're talking about free speech, if we ever get to a point in America or anywhere else in the world where your, your speech about yeah. Jesus dying for the sins right. of the world, being right. buried and raised from the dead, you outlaw that. Right. And it's a slippery slope because faith comes from me. Hearing. That's right. That's why we're at a critical crossroads. I agree. So if you, you begin for, to. For begin, us, yeah. in our audience as Christians, especially you guys know that we need to be able to speak truth into culture. That's why America has always been, as Reagan described with that shining light on the hill. The reason why is because we were able to put the word out. So anyway. They've when been you a, can't proclaim the good news because they don't allow you right. to. You know, if you look at it, just look when they didn't know what free speech was in the Roman Empire. Right. And those those disciples, those apostles, went out from Jerusalem yeah. and started proclaiming, look what they got out of all exactly. of it. Exactly. I mean, they literally killed every one of them but one because they were just simply proclaiming Jesus. Exactly. So our good friends, uh, Dennis Prager, and uh, we don't know Adam Carolla, but uh, together uh, Dennis and Adam uh, came out with a film, a documentary called No Safe Spaces. And basically, you know, they talk about it more from the standpoint, especially universities, how the idea is we want to shut speech down. And it's exactly the opposite of what the founders had the, for the, us. The ending of free speech is satanic to the core of its being. That's it the way Satan keeps people from hearing That's right. the good news. That's right. We're proclaimers of the gospel. That's what we do. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So check it out. We want you to check out No Safe Spaces. The film also has Ben Shapiro and Coulter, Jordan Peterson, a lot of other people who are basically fighting this fight. Uh, and look, we all, you know, we have libertarians, atheists, Jewish folks, Christians. I mean, we're all, we look at this, the idea is if we can't have a free sharing of ideas you shut down dialogue. Is our idea, you you know? shut down dialogue you shut down proclaiming prophesying and then we're going to get ourselves in a bigger bind exactly. we're in now so be sure and look for it. no safe spaces opens on hundreds of screens across america this weekend 
there's a chance for you to check it out. Also, it's going to support the film, but hopefully you get a lot more films like this. So if you go to nosafespaces.com and you click the theater button, you find out where it's playing near you. We need to be supportive of it just because they got a great message. By the way, Al, even if they do lock us up, we'll just start a prison ministry and keep proclaiming. They did the Apostle Paul, you know, they, 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 they pretty well chained him up over it. Oh, yeah. You know, and finally killed him. Well, I, I have news for him. We're not going to stop. We're not going to stop. So check it out, nosafespaces.com, nosafespaces.com. Find out where the film is playing and uh, go and support it and check it out. You'll be encouraged by it. Uh, Dennis came here, uh, screened it for us. It's fantastic. So we got to get the word out, nosafespaces.com. Anyway, we get out. I said, well, after a few more minutes, I got 30 minutes to get to the airport. And I said, can we leave? And they're like, yeah. So we left and we tag teamed to kill it. But, you know, I thought about that and people said, well, you're an idiot. In fact, I heard somebody on the other side of the door say, this is why you don't go to Africa. You know, I could hear it because they're upset, you know, because their lives were messed up for this day. And I get it. I mean, I, I don't blame the hospital. They were doing what they should have been doing just in case. But okay. I thought to myself, I, we if we had been outside – and not inside with Isaac, we would have been fearful for him. And to be honest with you, it all worked out, but I would rather be in the room with the guy that I love and trust. And I'm a partner in the gospel with than been outside wondering about what was happening with him. So I knew then I was like, that's what true brothers are about. This guy's from halfway around the world. I've had that conversation with Missy so many times because she's been a world traveler and we both have gone on mission trips, but she's gone into some places and I'm like, babe, what are you doing? But she's always come back with the right answer, which was, well, either we're going to believe God's in control or not. That's right. I'm going to help these people, especially when there's kids involved and it's an orphanage. I'm like, you know, one time I did send two Navy SEALs with her as, because I was like, it's never okay, have a Navy SEAL. I'm going to trust God and a couple Navy SEALs <laughs> or you're not going. And she's like, well, that's fine if it'll make you feel better. But I, there's part of me that likes that courageous spirit. I mean, her heart's right. She's helping people, which by the way, I mean, a couple nights ago, I found myself in the ER with, with her. I mean, she was trying to close a door with her foot. And something on the bottom of the door, which was obviously sharp, she slipped and she tried to shut the door. She Her hands were full and it punctured her leg right in the ankle area. So she calls me and is like, um, and she was with Lisa, your, yeah. your wife, right. by the way. She's like, I'm at the ER. I cut my foot. You know, and I thought, well, why are you at the ER if you cut your foot? Well, by the time I got there, they let me in and they were doing the procedure. And so when I walked in, they're like, oh, you're here. And I looked at her, and she kind of had that look on her face like, this is worse than you think. And, I mean, I looked down at her leg, and I was like, well, there's the inside of your leg. I see the bone. I mean, it was You could it was see a, bone, fat. I mean, it, it was a It was a cut. vicious cut, and uh, they, they stitched it from the – it was an interesting process, you know. They had it peeled back, and I was like, how is this not hurting? But they had deadened it. But it's amazing. You don't – take for granted what you have here in this country where I would people get, can I would get another door <laughs> get another door change doors oh yeah well you know what I said this was probably not the best thing to say you know but, razor sharp whatever on the bottom <laughs> of the door well, I'm like okay let's get rid of that door and just go with just a wood door well everybody that knows my wife will appreciate this I said it sounds like to me that door's dangerous and she said look she said you think <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> was well, I, was like, I think I get a new door. I well, think that's right. Fix the door. But I'm, just, just, I'm just trying to figure out no, what type of projected piece of metal wood that would slice your leg all the way to the bone. Was it on just the bottom that? of it, a door? Puncture. It, it looked like you know what. This is horrible to say, but you know when you shoot a duck at really close range and the the pellets don't have enough time to yep. expand. It leaves like a, I don't know what, you know, it, it's just like a puncture. I mean, the yep. duck is dead immediately. Yep. And uh, that's what it looked like because they, because the woman said, are you scared of the sight of blood? And I was like, no. And so then when I looked down, I thought, I see why she asked me that question. I mean, it was just, it was the human, it was the inside of it. it just, they had, most of her leg was peeled back. And I was like, well, how are you going to fix that? But they did. I mean, it took, I'd say, 30 minutes to stitch it up. They stitch it inside and Inside, outside. and they just kept going up, building the, the stitches inside dissolve. And then the ones on, outside, I think it was a dozen. Never heard of that. Well, and uh, Lisa's had pictures of it, and she was showing it around at about the house. She could start over to me. I said, uh, 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 uh. no. I, oh, that bothers I, you? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't. You know, I didn't know how it. I don't mind a deer um, or a duck or something, but I, when it's a human being, I just don't. You know, when we had our second kid, Cole, they did a C-section, and when I, because I was late, because I was duck hunting. I mean, you know, I wasn't thinking back then that if you have a kid during duck season, there's some potential issues there. Well, I was duck hunting, and we didn't know the time. All of a sudden, bam. So I get up there in like 25 minutes with with Kay. (laughs) But when I walked in, they literally had already started. And they just had the hood up, you know, of her belly. And I'm just looking down at all the organs. And I was like, I can't believe we can can do this, you know. But it didn't bother me at all. I was making a few jokes, you know. And they said, look, you're going to have to quit making the, the doctor who was a woman. She said, you need to quit being funny. And I thought. What is this woman? Don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> but she says the gyration. I have a blade here. The gyration, gyrations of her body. Because Missy was laughing, you know. And I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. It was dangerous so, to be funny. Well, I guess I, I wasn't trying to be funny, but the things I was saying, I guess Missy was nervous. I mean, I would be nervous if so, that was. So shut down the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His dad would say, is there not lives over? So. Well, we yeah. got a few uh, we got a few questions uh, from and by the way, thanks for all the questions you guys are sending in. Keep them coming because uh, we like to answer some along. You guys are are really thinking, and I love it. Now, here was one. This is from Carolyn Jacobs, and um, we get this a lot. So, Jay's, I wanted to ask this. This is more directed at you, I think. I haven't even. seen these. I questions, know this is so. Way, I'm asking. So. so she says, "Why do you guys?" And by that, she means you and Willie, not me address your parents by their name rather than mom and dad. Then she said, please answer as it bugs me to no end. (laughs) So it's really bugging her. I know. When I go around and do events, y'all do a certain amount of events. This is the number one question. Because I think in the South, they deem it as disrespectful. Right. That's what she's saying. If, if uh, If you use your parents' first name. I do not know the exact answer. I have a couple theories. I think one is our house was a place of business when we were coming up and we got into the habit of, you know, we had, remember we, we were big time and when we got two lines, you know, on, on a 
foam that was attached to the wall. Oh, but we yeah. had a line one and a line two, and you would say, you know, feel line one. I mean, because you wouldn't say, hang on, let me get my mom. It, it just didn't. We were trying and to be professional. You and Willie didn't start that until you were adults. You didn't, as kids, you didn't call them feeling gay, did you? I think I did. Did you? Yeah, I've always, really? always called feeling gay. Weird. Well, to alleviate <laughs> so, the woman. I woman's, mean, I hate to tell you that I never remember saying, hey, dad. Yeah. It just but seems I so always weird. Call, Jeff and I have always called him mom and dad. So it's, To alleviate the woman's fears, at no time, not one, did the two that call me feel or call Miss K, Miss K. Only uh, two of us did that? Yeah, yeah you, you and Willie. Yeah, me and Jeff didn't do that. Uh, uh, the oldest one and the youngest one call me dad. Right. The two in the middle call me Phil. Someone says, well, did they ever bow up and show any kind of disrespect to you toward anything? Heck no. Not <laughs> once. I mean, this was like never. So... You, know, you never took it as disrespectful. I, it never, it no. didn't occur to well, me. Trust this me. Woman, this woman wrote this. I've, so I've been asked it before. I said, you'd like to talk to the to the guys who do that. I mean, they're <laughs> well, all godly men. They're godly men. They're we we godly had woman. a list of, there was like three rules in our childhood. One of them was you don't disrespect either one of us. Right. But especially I, mom was the Well, strict. yeah. Because he knew we did. probably were not going to. Now, look, one of those rules I absolutely disagree with. They don't tear up equipment. Perfectly good. Because we were poor, and the only equipment we had was from China, and it was not well made. And I thought, why am I getting persecuted and suffering? Because somebody made a piece of junk that tore up. But plus, anyway. plus, you need to add to the mix. I, when, not that he's holding a grudge. I mean, when, when I meet most is, individuals... Whatever their name is, I never call them by that name. I'll come up with a nickname, right. and Which I'll call true. them the nickname, That's and right. some of them Which, carry that nickname the yeah. rest of their there life. Are, on the, there there are, still, are a lot of people. And there. people aren't disrespected by it. I never viewed it as – I mean, I, I called him Phil. I called Mom Kay. But I I would say I feel pretty good about saying that I made I made a lot of mistakes as a kid, but I never disrespected y'all in no. any way. But I think you're bit. right about the genesis of it being the business because I will I say the, so. the even now the times when I don't call dad dad when I call him Phil is usually when we're doing something business like we're in New York and they're like right. well Phil do this and I was like so I may say well Phil do this Phil will do that he'll do this interview he's not going to do that so in a in a more of a business environment you tend to do that so well I think, and I think just we played so many domino games when my when my grandparents lived here and there was always so many guests and everybody just said Phil and Kay it, it just seemed like we were kind of friends I know you're not supposed to be you know friends with your kids i mean that's a dangerous thing to go down you got to provide some leadership at some point you know but it's okay to be friends if you have the big stuff and and it kind of felt that way we were like hunting partners and he treated me with respect and i don't know we just that's what we called him i've said this before i don't think i've said it on the podcast that talking about parenting one of the things i really appreciate about mom and dad especially dad was that he the way he describes it now? He had three basic rules, and that's right. And one of the things I like about Daddy, there's a verse in Ephesians six four, I think, that says, "Fathers, do not exasperate your children." Yeah. And I thought about Dad never exasperated us as as you know, especially once he was a Christian. But because we well, knew right. we there, knew what the rules a, were, there was a few. The early years were were 
that was more a little exasperated. I mean, I was right. exasperated, but that was more him outside Making of Christ, and I'm right. a little kid, and it was probably but a I few like that in the anger, sense that anger you, management issues that right. he had early on. Well, he did, but, you know, because so, I but, did get a couple butt whoopings <laughs> that I was nowhere around. What happened? <laughs> you were. Those are called neighborhood neighborhood yeah. punishments. You were in the neighborhood of punishments, yep. so you got. And I would run away, and nobody <laughs> would notice. I would come back, and that even now that was exasperating. Right. I'm like, I just ran away for like 14 hours, but, but and nobody Des, noticed. You, you and I have both seen, unfortunately, super overbearing parents, either a mom or a dad, and what that does to children. And I think it's what that verse is talking about. In other words, a rule about everything and and making big deals out of not big deal. Like yep. there's a yeah. way to just kind of keep it on the idea. Here's the big things. Here's where I want you to be. And without having to get into the constantly on somebody's case 24-7, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't I would, produce I, a my, good situation. My number one answer to that question is the reason we did that is because they never said not to. If we had done it the first time, and he said, don't and I was call seven me or Phil. eight, and he's like, hey, boy, don't call me Phil. Well, you know what? I would have never called him Phil again. Yeah, that's right. That's a good And point. so they never stopped it. Because I do remember there was one time I had a respect conversation, and this was – I was kind of an innocent bystander because part of playing dominoes, the reason I brought that up, was trash talking. I mean, I developed to be quite the trash talker in life in, in any kind of competition because when we played – you know, my grandparents would literally I – mean, the first time my wife saw them play dominoes, I mean, she pulled me outside and thought, you know, what, who do we need to call? <laughs> And I was like, do we know a good counselor? What, what do you mean? She was like, I mean, I, I'm really fearful that someone's going to get hurt. And I was like, oh, no, that's part of the game. And she was like, part of the game? What are you talking about? I mean, they're insulting each other. But I remember our uncles and how they were. I mean, you oh. talk about dad's brothers. And even like some of my uncles, they'd drop a four-letter word or two. And it was like, it's okay as long as it's inside of a domino game. And I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that. And they're like, yeah. Now you, you say strap that outside somebody, of it. You strap somebody with the fives and that final lockup and you clip them for 25 or 30, whatever it is, and they you slam the dom. They would break the dominoes. <laughs> oh, I broke my hand. I've broken my thumb. But, and Jason and I were the only young out of all the cousins. There were twenty plus cousins. Jason and I were the only ones that allowed to play with the adults because of our skill level. At Westmoreland High School, one day when I had to be there, and the coaches were playing dominoes, and they they were they, there was seven of them. Well, you know, you got to have eight or have two games, and the, it was kind of a winner bracket. And one of them said, hey, you play domino? Y'all play domino down there? I was like, yeah, I know a little bit about it. I mean, I sat down there, you know. And the first hand, I pick up five fives, baited one of the my opponent to turn Bring the five up. up, and he did. And so I literally jumped up on top of the table and, and played three times in a row. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And so I went, I've, it's something I've seen a thousand times. I'd take a domino back and say, can you play? Can you play? That's what I thought. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so throughout the rest of that year they were uh, stunned stunned look and it and i trash talked so much that at random times of the year it would say would you send jace robertson to the gymnasium you know i was like what do they want me for and i go there and they're like hey we got you out of there you ready for a game of dominoes yeah. i'm like okay <laughs> excuse the absence you know but i remember phil telling me one time he's like one time about my grandpa he's like I understand the game, but you're taking it a little too far with the trash talking with your grandpa. 
And so he, I do, I don't know if you remember that conversation because you were like, I'll tear your butt up if you take it any further. So I thought, oh, maybe I'm taking this too far. I mean, it was inside yeah. the domino game, but who knows what I well, was we, saying. Well, you and I walked a little bit th- you know, tighter rope because we had to be respectful. They yeah. could just trash us bad. And I, oh, I, that's right. I've left in tears before because I, I couldn't say what I wanted to say because they were my uncles or, or granny. Well, maybe yeah. those answers – uh, alleviated the woman's fears on why two <laughs> maybe. of my sons. She may be thinking, you know, you're listening, rednecks. You don't know what to do, what they're thinking of next. That's right. I don't know, but that covered in my mind. Well, yeah. I no mean, one was ever disrespectful to me, none of you boys. So. Which which helps. That's exactly right. Um, so thank you, Carolyn, for, for sending that question. I hope, hope that helps. all follow Jesus, girl. So you don't have to be bugged anymore. Now you know the, the whole story. Here's a good question, uh, which kind of goes in line with what we've been talking about. Uh, this is, she said, it's why well, I say she, it's a, it's a, I guess it's a Twitter or something, a glory to be. But anyway, it says, uh, I have a doctrinal question. Um, it said, do you believe that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he was slash is man and God? Is he God in the flesh? I have a perfect verse for that. <clears throat> Off the top of my head, I think. So I think it's Romans 9, 5. I mean, look. Give her yours and I'll give her a few. Okay, I want to say this one statement, though. I think some of the more interesting things that you'll discover by reading the entire Bible about why Jesus became a man. I I love, you know, Philippians 2. He humbled himself, became, you know, obedient, taking the very nature of a servant. But one of the... One of the concepts that gives me the most hope is I know that he became a man so he could die because God can't die. And that fundamental aspect of God in that he is life. So you think about the plan that was set in motion. That's been our whole podcast about going through this whole scheme of redemption. So I, I get that. To say, to say that but there's a verse because I've had this same question in Bible studies they're like for some reason people don't want to believe that God uh, in, really in Jesus yeah is and I always say the same thing he's 100% a man and 100% God the reason we have problems relating to that is because we're just a person we're just man yeah, you know it, I have the same if you can get what, how God exists in this little finite brain, you're doing something wrong. Right. I mean, we can just try. But if you just wanted a verse that just slam dunk says that's what he is, Romans 9, 5 says, and you can read the whole, the first five verses for the context, whoever asked this question. But it gets down to verse 5. It says, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, which is why you have the genealogies in two of the books, you can trace that he was a human because that's how we know you were a human. You'd follow the tree. But then it says, who is God over all forever praised? So if you just wanted a verse that said, how do I know that he's 100%? Well, I can trace his human ancestry. And then Paul, via the Holy Spirit, said, and oh, by the way, he is God over all. So I'll add to that. Uh, what's the, it's who is this? Who am I talking? We to? don't know. Glory, 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 glory to be. Be Al, glory Al be determined it was a woman. Whoever you are, I don't know why I thought it was a woman. Matthew chapter one, 
after the genealogy of Christ is given again, you can read about that first. This is how, verse 18, the birth, you say, let's see, human beings are born. Uh, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. Because you ask, is he a man? Is he God? His mother, Mary, well, I know he has a human mother, and her name is Mary, because I just read it to you, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, before they had sex, she was found to be with child, we're talking human being here, through the Holy Spirit. God's involved in it because there was no sex involved. It's a virgin birth. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want exposure to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quick, quietly. But after he had considered this, because he thought she's been up to no good, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth, she's a human mother, to a son. Here's a child, a human child. And you are to give him the name Jesus. And by the way, it's got a little asterisk there. Jesus is the Greek for Joshua, Joshua. So look, because he will save his people from his sins. This took place to fulfill what the Lord had already said 700 years earlier, the virgin, hard to do this. In fact, it's impossible. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Take that, jump from there and that, jump to Hebrews. Jump to Hebrews about verse... uh, uh, two Hebrews two fourteen. Read this one. Add it to it. Since the children have flesh and blood, humans, he Jesus too shared in their humanity, Which so would that make you a man. I mean, that, that that's that's human. it. Human. So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Which is my point about why he became a man so he could die. Right. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. It's not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, the human race. Hold on to that. And And this is a a little more scary, uh, these last two, but you better get it on straight there, whoever you are. (laughs) Uh, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I wonder what they're saying. It's the issue you just ask about. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Now listen to this, how all-encompassing this is. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That's quite the statement. Mm-hmm. You say, I had better believe that Jesus is both God and man. God in flesh. Hold on to that. Now watch. Second, that's first John. That's chapter four, one, two, and three. 
In 2 John, John says again, many deceivers, this is 2 John 7, little bitty books toward the end of your Bible, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, God becoming flesh, have gone out into the world. That same John, when he wrote the gospel, John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. This is a long time from when he was born of a virgin, but he was there. Verse 14 in John chapter 1 said, and the word who was with God in the beginning, through whom the cosmos was made, the word becomes flesh. John 1, 14. Put those together. It's more than enough of an answer. Well, to let me know. let me say both something God and man. To that, um, the reason John wrote those is because in the first century, uh, and, and that's what the writers were addressing, there was a, a heresy or, or a false teaching that came about called Gnosticism. Yep, and it was a Greek word, Gnostic. And the idea was is these Greeks had learned in their minds that they had been taught by Socrates and all the you know Aristotle that the flesh was bad. The spirit was good. In other words, your mind is good, but the flesh it doesn't matter. In other words, it had no worth. So they got to thinking, well, now they're Christians, but they're like, well, wait a minute. If we're Greek Christians and we're good Gnostics, how could Christ have been in flesh? He, he The flesh is no good. So, so then they began to deny the human and fleshly nature. Then they started this teaching. So these writers are addressing it, and really it comes forward even till today. I mean, people still get that idea. Well, You'll hear them say the flesh is weak, you know, and so the flesh is bad. But God created us and they also all don't, parts. Yeah, they don't want to acknowledge that he was tempted in every way but was without sin. That's right. Hebrews 4. Yep. Right. He just chose not to. That's right. And he did it for us. And then I wanted to read Colossians 1. And it verse fifteen and following talks about the supremacy of Christ. He's the image of the, of God, the firstborn over all creation. But he he comes down to in verse nineteen. It says, "For God was pleased," and this is a really heavy verse. But it says, "God was pleased to have all His fullness." That's a mouthful. Dwell in Him, Jesus, and through Him, Jesus, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth. Or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, which is what you're talking about, the soul. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body, there's the flesh, through death, which is why he became a man, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Yep. The reason I'm reading that is because you, you've heard these people say that Jesus is the bridge to God. Well, he's the bridge because he represents the fullness of God. I just read it. Yep. And he represents us. And by him choosing not to sin, his death actually reconciled the two because in God there is no sin. That's right. He became the sacrifice. So in essence, not only are we saying – yeah, he was a man. Him becoming a man was the only way we were getting out of here because he represented us through his death on a cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and he and he couldn't die unless he was a man. Well, look how he referenced himself in the Gospels. Sometimes he was the Son of God, 
Sometimes, Sometimes he's, he's the, the son, son of man. man. That's why I said he's 100% man and 100% right. God. People don't like that statement. It makes them feel uncomfortable. Right. But I say that understanding that I don't understand exactly how that works. That's right. Because <laughs> I can't grasp it. It's too big for me. It's just like the same thing with eternity. We think we have a grasp of it, but you start thinking about it for a little bit, and you realize you can't grasp it. Because you always think, well, what if God changes his mind? I mean, how am I going to live a million years down the road? Something may happen because our finite minds can truly not grasp what it is to be eternal. Right. We, we're we not built that way. We're right. not wired that way. Right. So we just say, you know what? I'm going to enjoy figuring it out. That's right. And we tend to view flesh only through the lens of bad sin or you know we we talk about the flesh you know we think that's but you know got to think about from god's perspective he created us body soul and spirit and from his perspective what he made was good in fact genesis says it was very good Mm -hmm. when he made us and so remember genesis 126 when we talked about that when we were there let us make man in our image so we know then there was this you know more than one you know presence yeah that made us you know what's even in even in the undercard of when the fall of man happened and i say undercard i mean jesus is where everything revolves around but when you see the things that happen in the sin the consequences what was a couple of things that happened you had pain and childbearing yep as a result and you also had uh the land produce thorns which was rough on the man as far as working and laboring because he's got thorns But then you look, and here comes Jesus, how many thousand years later, and he came through the birth canal of a woman, yeah. which is, which was one of the the pain that is involved there, which Mary probably experienced. Sure, was one of the uh, the curses from the fall of man. Well, here comes this Jesus who's gonna cure you from the curse of sin eventually. Yeah. And I thought about those thorns as. One of the things they did at his crucifixion was to wear a crown of thorns. So even back then, Jesus becoming a man and enduring all that, in a way, and I meant you know those undercard things, he actually took care of all those issues yeah. by coming to earth, coming through the birth canal of a woman, which seems just you know like lunacy to the world who don't believe. They're like, you're actually telling... Because think about that conversation. You read Joseph and Mary. Can you, what will we do? If my girlfriend, who I had not had sex with, comes back and says, look, I'm pregnant. Guess what? I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) I talked to an angel. Yeah. uh, Okay. (laughs) I'm so gone. (laughs) No, granted, you know, he was speaking to an angel. But But by the way, Joseph was gone, too, because remember it says in Matthew... He was quietly figuring out how to divorce her. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, hey, I'm I'm bearing my faults though. I ain't coming back. He was doubting her story <laughs> until. But if an angel shows up to you and convince, this is what happened to him. I mean, maybe I no, think. I'm but I, I just would, you know, I just I'm, I'm saying I know my own limitations and weaknesses. Al. I'm not. I, that's why I really respect that man. I, I did a lesson before. When you want to be a good father, be like Joseph, because he had every reason in the world to leave and think this is ridiculous. And the embarrassment that goes along with it, you know, because I'm one guy, I was like, I'm going to marry a virgin. I'm going to be a virgin when I get married, and I'm going to marry a virgin. So I realized kind of what they were trying to do, I tried to do. But I mean, because by the way, nobody in the town and probably hardly anybody in their family 
bought it because the angel didn't tell everybody what was going on. He just told oh, those right. two. That's so I'm correct. saying, that's so correct. everybody else was thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, you're carrying the Son of God. I bet that's well, what look, I've said. I mean, you know, ever yeah. you know how communities yeah. are. Look, I've said this before in speeches People and all. People at it to this day. They still do. Look, I've said this before. When you think, well, how come Jesus never made a mistake? I mean, that's you know, I didn't struggle with any kind of sexual type thing when I was a teenager because I didn't know what I was missing. I I had just dismissed it. I wasn't going down the road. I made up my mind. To me, I have way more respect for somebody who's having sex on a continual basis than they come to Jesus and say, okay, i got to shut that down. Yep. Well, now, as a married man, I'm like, okay, that's going to be rough. That's going to be hard. But at the time, it does make me realize that if you just do things the right way, it is easier. It, it's even more it's, a good point. it's, it's a more point. understandable i try to tell people that because they're like i cannot believe you did that that's got to be the hardest thing in the world i'm like you know what it actually wasn't because i didn't realize yeah. I, I just had this bar that i wasn't going to cross now once i crossed it if you just said okay i want you to fast from that for you know a week i'd been like no wait a minute. which is like when i go to africa which helped what probably helped him we talk about raising your children children in a spiritual atmosphere well if they're never that if they see their parents not seeing this stuff yeah on tv or that's pre-cell phone when jace was a kid yeah so we didn't have that all right to well, start looking at all this but look stuff. and what it, you don't experience is when i go to africa i don't see anybody struggling with materialism and greed you know why <laughs> they don't have anything well that's right like, so they don't know what they're missing they go in they walk to church and they sing songs they never think about it oh man we got a 10 o'clock service today i don't know they don't think like that you know what I'm saying? Well, it's like, that's look, all they know. I went out for two years and spoke at this pretty rough prison, you know, and they, they thought maybe let's try this, you know. So I would give them lessons and share Jesus with them. And, but you know what was weird is when we gathered around in circles and buried our soul, well, they would all brag about that they hadn't had sex with a woman in, you know, like two years or whatever. You know, they had, they had denied themselves. And I was like, there's no women out here. <laughs> I, I mean, you know what I mean? I'm like, but they had like, well, I mean, look at me. Look at the, what I'm having to sacrifice. You quit stealing if uh, they put you in jail and keep you locked well, yeah. up for five years. I said the same steal. thing. I said, you're not stealing anything either. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, you're locked up. <laughs> but it gets into this law of works thing in yeah, your mind that you think, you know, I'm not doing this. It's more you're trusting God in your overall. And look, I had the opportunities. Every kind of wild woman that I was associated with, once I once I ascertained that, oh, this woman's frisky, I immediately called her because I was like, this is not the road I want to go down. I don't care what she looks like. You know, well, James, I'm out. you learned well, my man, at a young age. But, but I was looking for a woman to marry, and I thought, I'm going to do this God's way. And it, it was actually easier than you think about. You know, yeah. The only thing where I draw the line is I'm like, more people should tell young people that. That's right. Because it would have helped me if somebody said, this is a good thing. Because all my friends were saying, you're So the dumb. guy with the magazine, the reporter who, who asked you, Jace, do you really expect somebody <laughs> to believe that you didn't have sex with your girlfriend before you married her? Do you really think we're that dumb? What was your reply to him? I think I said, I don't care whether you believe it or not, because you don't understand the reasoning behind it, which is what I'm saying. While a lot of people have a problem under you know, realizing that Jesus was a man that didn't sin, they're like, well, he was God. That's not fair. 
Yeah, but it says he's tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. Well, why would the Bible say that if he wouldn't have had the capacity to do it? He that's became right. a man. I know that's hard for you to grasp, and yeah. that's why that question came tempted and I've in every way. many times. Well, why are you tempting him if he can't sin? No, he just chose not to. And what I'm trying to give you an insight in, if you went about everything the right way from the beginning, it is easier than you think, because I took the hardest one I could think of, which is sex, and I'm just saying... I struggled way more after I had sex with all the other types of sexual sins and lust. And, you know, once I knew what was going on there, I was like, oh, boy, this is good. (laughs) But before that, I was not looking at other women that way. And you remember we had conversations about when I was a kid because I was like, because my friends were like, there's something wrong with you. You know, I mean, this is just not normal and it's not natural. But I just didn't want to go there. I would see a girl. So I'm not going there. I'll go duck hunting and I'll go fishing, but I ain't going there. Yeah. <laughs> and what what well, made it what made it worse is when I would be commended. I would break up with them for that reason. I was like, "You're too you're too wild for me." Well, then I thought they would just say, "Well, that's absurd." Well, then they'd really love me. <laughs> but once I said, "No, you're out," for that reason, somehow or another they found some romance in that, you know, because I did wasn't just looking at her physically. Well, you hurt their feelings. You know? They're thinking, yeah. you know, oh, you know, I'm not as sexy as I thought I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No telling what they're thinking. But I said all that to say this: if somebody, you know, if my girlfriend Missy would have said, "Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have a baby, and it's from the Holy Spirit of God," I just don't know if I'd have had the capacity. No matter how many voices are in my head, I was like, you Joe know what? A, Joe's a pretty faithful guy. He trusted God, and he was right to he do He did so. the right thing. So, obviously, right time. Hopefully, glory be whoever you are. Uh, that that uh, gives you some insight into uh, the, what the Bible teaches about the flesh and humanity as well as the divine of Christ. So, uh, keep the questions coming. We love it. Uh, what, wherever you're watching, uh, be sure and hit you know some replies and get us some good questions and uh, we'll continue to answer them on the podcast. We love that. We love studying the Bible, so your questions help spark that, and we got a lot more. Uh, By the way, the girl that wrote, uh, is there any text? I didn't understand what, what it means to have nothing to do with people. That seems harsh. Read Second John chapter 10. Don't invite people into your house if they, don't, if they deny Jesus coming in flesh. Second uh, John 10, read that. Second Timothy chapter 3, read that one. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and following, read that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, read that one. And last, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. That's among, there's and there are others where sometimes you just are told to not have anything to do with individuals who are really into sinful behavior. So there's your list, honey. You read go. that one. There's, I'm not even aware of that question, but whoever you are, Write those verses down and check them out from Phil. So we'll uh, we'll deal with a few more of those next time. We are so glad you're watching and listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. That's going to keep you up to date with all the new episodes, and it's also going to let other people find out about our podcast. So keep spreading the word and watching and listening to Unashamed with Phil Robertson.